0: Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hey guys, this is Amanda Mork, native Angelino, classic rock fanatic, and host of My Rock Moment. If you're a diehard classic rock fan and love hearing about unforgettable moments in rock, then this podcast is definitely for you. Join us for bi-monthly episodes as we connect with special guests as they share their unforgettable rock moments and stories that made them forever fans. And don't forget to head over to my Instagram at LA Woman Rocks for some cool classic rock photos and the stories behind them. Today, we actually have celebrity chef Leslie Durso with us. Leslie and I are going to chat about her time on the Sunset Strip when she was a regular. She's got some stories about playing rock band with Bill Withers and meeting Prince at one of the clubs. And she and I are also going to take a nostalgic tour down the Sunset Strip as well. So stick with us. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for being here, Leslie.
1: My pleasure. Um, My pleasure. Are you kidding me? To hang
0: out with you and talk about rock and roll? I know, I know. Well, Leslie, you've got a lot you know a lot of things in common. You're so native like me. I know you hail from San Diego uh, rather than l a, but pretty much the same. And you are a total rocker. And guys, I, she actually is not in the music industry, but probably has more stories than anybody I've ever met. Um, rock and roll stories, I would say.
1: That's because uh, I wish I was in the rock and roll industry. Oh, if don't we all? Sing, oh my gosh. I would have made the best rock star if I could sing. then i sing like a deaf cow.
0: <laughs> you know what? There's always an instrument you can pick up. I was
1: terrible at band. I tried playing guitar. I tried playing flute. I tried playing piano. I'm just, I'm just not musically inclined. But well, I can memorize any song, which is good for karaoke. That's about it.
0: Well, there you go. It's all right. I mean, you're pretty good at your day job, so I wouldn't worry. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody that hasn't seen her, she's on Food Network. She's on Discovery Channel. She's on Hallmark. Um, she is indeed the premier vegan chef. And if you've been lucky enough to taste one of her dishes at the Four Seasons Pumta or Santa Barbara, you are, you, or at least you probably really would have enjoyed yourself. God, it's making me wish I was on vacation right now. <laughs> right? But um, she's quite an accomplished chef, and that's what it, what's interesting about that is that, you know, um, despite all your accolades in the, um, the vegan world, you know quite a bit about rock, which is why I have you here, and you have a very interesting background just in terms of your time in L.A., and as you know, for a lot of people from the small town, L.A. is the mecca for the music industry. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's a lot of creative juices flowing here. A lot of people come in here to make something of themselves. And that's why I wanted to have you on because you were essentially ground zero for many, many years Um, and experienced a lot of it, even if it was just peripherally when you weren't in the industry. Oh, gosh.
1: Yeah. I I feel so lucky to have witnessed so many amazing moments uh, in, in music history and been part of a few things and... I just, I, I just love music. I love rock and roll. I love music. I, I just, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I was listening to old records
0: all, all morning.
1: So sure
0: i could talk to you today. And that's what I love. So I want to jump back for a second because you grew up in San Diego. Now, San Diego wasn't very different than the beaches of Los Angeles, for those of you that aren't from around here. And there's a very distinctive st- sound when you grew up in Southern California on the beach. Um, That surfing culture can sometimes breed a lot of classic rock, everything from Bob Marley to Steely Dan, the Stones and everything in between. But then there's also that beach grunge sound that really was native to our area. Um, And I know that that had a lot of influence on me growing up and the things that I started to listen to. And I didn't know if, you know, that kind of was your story as well, where you came from.
1: Sure. I mean, and I didn't really realize you know, cause you're a kid, you don't really realize what you're part of until much later in life. So, I mean, um, the guys from blink 182 went to my rival high school. They used to play all of our high school parties. I mean, that's how, you know, my, my live music, uh, experience started was with bands like that. I mean, I remember listening to the local radio station in San Diego and they're like, Blink is being sued. So now they have to change their name and they're now going to be called Blink 182. And we're like, that's so weird. Um, (laughs) And the coffee shop that I used to go to down in La Jolla, my favorite band Loam used to perform there all the time. Of course, Loam has never done anything. But the person that opened for Loam was this kind of weird girl who was always around at the beach. You could always see her hanging out. Oh, it was Jewel.
0: What it Jewel? Was cool. so wait, she made her. Wasn't she originally from Alaska, and then made her way yeah. down, I guess, to warmer weather. The warmer <laughs> weather. weather.
1: I, I story goes that she was uh she was living in a in her car in San Diego for a long time, and I mean we oh, yeah. remember seeing her. She always had her guitar down at the beach, and she'd just sit there and she'd just be strumming her guitar and and yodeling and singing, oh, and God. we're always like, oh, there's.
0: There's Jewel. Yeah. With the dreams of making it one day. On. <laughs> Jeez. Well, it worked in her favor. I mean, hey. It oh, yeah. Oh, got yeah. her a record gig eventually.
1: It worked. And I always remember, I mean, No Doubt it was an Orange County band, but they were right. always down in San Diego playing at all of the, uh, the local
0: venues. Well, and that's what's interesting because, you know, we had um, Bad Religion. We had Pennywise. We also had Spline. Which was a Gardena band, and, and obviously you know that you know uh, No Doubt and Sublime were hand in hand, especially in the early years. Like when yeah, I had like
1: paper uh, flyers that say like Sublime and No Doubt headlining the same shows.
0: Isn't that crazy? It was like circa '94. <laughs> they kind of defined a time. They defined a sound. Um, you know, just as Grunge did in the early 90s as well. And then with the death of Bradley, um, you know, that was huge. And then obviously the death of Kurt Cobain. But those those sounds were so definitive. And I think you either latched on to them or you didn't. Um, sure. And then from there, you know, your your sound expands. But speaking of L.A., I know that you eventually made your way up here. And you were a darling of the Sunset Strip. That's what I'd like to call you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, uh, I spent a fair share of my time on the sunset strip for sure. I moved to Los Angeles when I was, um, well, I started, I started coming young. I mean, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this because they might kill me. As soon as I got my driver's license, when I was 16, I would literally come up here for the day because I thought I'd get discovered on the sunset strip. And <laughs> so I would. Mean, I would tell her I was going to the beach and I would <laughs> drive to Los Angeles <laughs> using my babysitting money for gas money. And I just walk up and down Sunset Boulevard thinking that that's how it happened. That's how I should preface that by saying I, I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. And uh, yeah, I would just walk up and down the street. Being like, and
0: in your defense, I've that happened been, many times before. Right.
1: I, I mean, like, I'm ready. Where are the people to discover me?
0: Yeah. <laughs> We've got agents lining the streets.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh God, so funny. I remember going to William Morris, the agent's offices, and just like walking up to the receptionist. And I was like, hi, I want to be actor." She's <laughs> like, do you have a headshot? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'll get, get, one. One. <laughs> yeah, get one. I'll get one. get one uh but yeah so many good times so yeah i moved here when i um guess i was technically 20 when i moved here 19 or 20 uh i forget exactly but i was not 21 and so i uh i was going to every club i could that they wouldn't id me (laughs) and then i started meeting like the cool people and the door people and you remember like pantera sarah And then I was able to, like, get into the clubs without being 21. I remember uh, the owners of the Sunset Room threw me a huge 21st birthday party. And they were like, oh, so tell us how old you are. You know, what is this, 25, 26? I was like...
0: 21, (laughs) what, we've known you for three years. (laughs) You had us fooled. (laughs) But I mean, and not to date us or anything, but arguably that was 20 years ago. So, you know, that was 2000. And that's when that boy band
1: sound was strong. 2001 is when I turned 21 and the boy band was strong. You want to hear a funny story? I'm totally forgetting. What was the name of the club that was next door to the Troubadour on Santa Monica Boulevard?
0: It was called the Doheny Club, but before it was called the Doheny Club. it was- oh, oh, yeah. And then it was the Doheny Room for a while. I don't remember what the name before of it, it was the
1: Doheny Room, it was this other really cool club. And I knew the owner, but it was one of those clubs where you'd walk in and you were like, whoa, I feel like I'm the only non-famous person in this club. <laughs> and it was because it was before, I mean, paparazzi would be outside, but nobody had cell phones so that, you know, nobody knew what was going on inside. Uh, which is awesome. way, Which was so awesome. And I was there the night that Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake had already broken up. But they ran into each other at that club and they had this famous dance off. And we were there. Was so was, I was dancing with P. Diddy. <laughs> back when he was see diddy and all of a sudden like the dance floor clears and Puff daddy is like orchestrating this dance off between britney spears and justin timberlake and they were both there with like their crew um, of dancers it was the most wild one of the most wild pop experiences i've ever had it was so funny
0: oh my god wh- so i'm sitting here with bated
1: breath who won I don't know if anyone really won. I mean, Justin kind of grabbed a girl and started making out with her at the end of a dance, which just made uh, me mad. And so they yeah. had just walked away. Uh, so it just kind of dissolved like that. But it, yeah. was, uh, it was an experience for sure. There were so <laughs> many people there. I mean, I could tell you, like, literally every famous actor of that era was there that night. <gasps>
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I, I never really had, okay. I would love to see a dance off, but I never had an affinity for that music.
1: It just. Yeah. I was never that into it, but I have to say then I became friends with some people that were in boy bands, like the two biggest boy bands in the world. And, um, I, uh, I, I appreciated it. I appreciated their talent. Um, I remember one afternoon playing rock band at uh, my house with my ex. And um, one of the boy band members was on bass, one was on drums, and then two super famous actors were also like singing. And, Stop it. And, and no names. We can't,
0: we can't talk names. I
1: mean, I mean we could mean. if you wanted, but then. I mean, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> of all time, Bill Withers lived across the street and he came over to, Stop to it. a rock band. And that was the group that was in. My living room playing rock okay, band. Okay, wait,
0: wait. Okay, so just step back for a second so that we can all take in this scene. You've got your ex-husband and you playing rock band with I wasn't playing. I was playing okay, so you were there watching. Two big actors. Can yeah. you name names? Um sure, Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. We know who they are. And yeah. then you've got two musicians from two of the biggest boy bands or one of the biggest boy bands. Yes. So are we talking t- Timberlake or are we, who are we talking?
1: Kevin Richardson from The Bachelor Okay. Yes. Lance Bass from Insane. Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> and Bill Withers. I mean, it was a room. It was a room. And Bill Withers is sitting in the background listening to all of this.
1: Oh, yeah. And then he was like, just like talking to the guys and i mean kevin richardson was so starstruck by bill it was so cute it was amazing
0: i mean who wouldn't be starstruck by bill withers and he was receiving this music very well because to me it's a bit of a departure than you know say some of the stuff
1: we weren't playing pop music remember rock band you could play and i've never played it it was so it's a video game and you you pull up a song, any song, and then you have to play it. And it shows the music, uh, the musical notes for each of the instruments. And so you have to play along and it tells you what to play. And then you get scored at the end of it by how well you played. But it was so funny watching Kevin and Lance play and like them getting points taken off for their singing voices. <laughs> 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 if the
0: makers of this game only knew what was happening i would have been there we i, I would have been there classic and rock songs. We, weren't, we, we
1: weren't playing any pop songs we were playing all classic rock stuff i think at one point we did do a backstreet boys song um,
0: well i mean you have to <laughs> yeah. so but, okay so like i said you're a rocker i preface with that where did that love of rock come from then
1: I have always loved rock. I've always loved meaningful rock. And I think it, were, it came from the very first time I heard Janis Joplin's voice. My dad had an old record player, which he played mainly Italian opera on, but he had a Janis Joplin record. And he put that on one day and he goes, do you have any idea who this is? And I was like, i have never heard refer to this woman. She's like screeching at the top of her lungs. <laughs> with, this is Janis Joplin. And I sat there and I, I looked at the album cover and I just listened to the song and I was like
0: blown
1: away I never heard that kind of raw emotion out of a song before ever I mean I was a little little kid I mean this is when you know Whitney Houston and Madonna right. and Mariah Carey were you know ruling the airwaves right nothing like Janis Joplin was happening and I just was Blown away. Immediately got a Janice Shoplin poster and hung it in my room. Oh, Started moving yeah. to Abdul stuff over and <laughs>
0: Janice Joplin stuff. Do you remember the song?
1: Oh, Peace of My Heart. Yeah. Oh, I mean, classic. Classic. I still and- think it's one of the saddest songs ever written.
0: Oh, it is. And I think that she sings it, like, like you said, with such raw raw emotion as only Janice could do. And I think she was kind of a, I don't even want to say once in a generation artist. She was a once in a lifetime artist. Yeah, absolutely. It, the way she sang a song, um, and I don't know if that was just her natural vocal cords or they'd been strained by drinking. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> something beautiful came out of that voice of hers. It's too bad we lost her so soon. Oh, yeah. It was so sad. Um, but yeah,
1: her and uh, my dad was also a big Stones fan, Rolling Stones fan. Sure. And so sure. I loved their music too. And Yeah. And it also, um, it was a good bonding experience for me and my dad. I remember us having a conversation once because I was super into Guns N' Roses. Everybody was. Mm-hmm. Uh, super, super, super into Guns N' Roses. And when Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out on the same day, I was first in line to get those tapes. And I played them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I had this debate with my dad about who was a better guitarist slash or Jimi Hendrix. And uh, it was just so interesting. And my dad would sit there and he'd play me Jimi Hendrix songs and I'd sit there and I'd play him Guns N' Roses songs. And it was just a really cool experience. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, neither of us even gave in the fact that Prince was actually the best guitarist that ever lived.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Prince played so many different instruments. And I think that was overshadowed one by his singing and two by his persona and look, because he was a performer in every sense of the word and everything he did. You know, when you think of Clapton, you think of guitar player. When you think of Janis Joplin, you think of singer. But when you look at Prince, there's so many things that come to mind. And he was a virtuoso. And I know you had an experience with him. I did. Well, not a, not a biblical
1: experience. Let's keep right there. Uh, yeah, experience all the same. I love I love Prince. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you want me to tell that story? I mean, we're here and it's
0: a good one.
1: <laughs> yes. So uh, I thought I was pretty cool in my early twenties. I thought I was pretty cool, and I used well, it sounds to sounds
0: like you were. <laughs> I mean, I, try- I mean, you were tromping around the Sunset Strip like you owned the place.
1: Well, I was also really into vintage fashion, which was not the style at that moment in time. That moment in time, it was all about the black pants and the go out tops. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> yeah well, I was one of those women yeah.
1: wearing black tight bootcut pants. And some sort of crop top, top. Well, I wasn't into it. I was really into vintage fashion at that moment. I was always trying to look like James Joplin and just look like somebody crazy. So one night I'm, I'm out at a club um, in Hollywood and I'm dancing with my friends and having a great time. And Prince walked in. And
0: I was like, oh my God, his Prince. I mean, was it Radio Scratch? He-
1: I no, mean. no. But he was the kind of person he walked, you felt him walk in the room before you saw him. He walked in and all of a sudden it was just like, it was like, he took the air from the room and everyone just like, didn't know. Oh, what he five like, foot six him. <laughs> Yeah, I spotted him and he had his huge bodyguards around him. And he walked in with two of the most stunning, probably the most stunning women I had ever seen in person in my life. I mean, super bottles looked like garbage next to these women, right? And he's at a booth and he's just hanging and, you know, so we're all dancing, having a great time. And one of his bodyguards comes over to me and says, hey, Prince wants to, uh, Prince wants to meet you. And I was like, well, if Prince wants to meet me, he can come say hello. <laughs> <laughs> Way to play hard to get, Leslie. a <laughs> And um, so, you know, I'm still dancing. I'm still dancing. I glance over at Prince and he just smiles at me. And I was like, Oh my God, Prince just smiled at me. <laughs> uh, and the next thing I know is bodyguard comes over later and says, you know, Hey, Prince is having an after party at his house and he wants you to come. And I was like, you know, I was still really young. And I was very, uh, I was very scared of the world I was very I'd never done a drug before I didn't even really drink I mean I would maybe nurse one drink the entire night when I was out I just loved to be dancing and in the scene right and so I was like Prince after party oh my god I can't even imagine no I'm I'm way too big of a square to be there (laughs) and I said can I bring my friend and he's like he goes and he like pointed at one of my girlfriends he goes you can bring that friend and I was like oh my god
0: (laughs) Oh, sorry, Very other friends but you have to go you know now you're not going alone this oh, yes. is Prince it's, it's like print. and I was like okay
1: you know like it's cool I I can get out of any dangerous situation if if need be I can just you know run
0: <laughs> so you're so far, you were probably bigger than him so or <laughs> you
1: were oh yeah my huge platform shoes I used to wear out
0: yeah
1: my vintage You can do some vintage. something that elton john would have worn like giant vintage platform shoes
0: so asking, elton maybe asking asking shoes. Them. uh
1: so we get to prince's house and prince is nowhere to be found everybody's drinking so i like get a drink and then i go to the bathroom and i dump the drink out in the sink and i fill it with water because <laughs> i'm so mad and i was just so scared of you know getting roofied or, you know, somebody spiking my drink with something. And uh, finally Prince comes out and he sits at his piano in his living room and he just starts playing and everybody goes silent and everyone just sits down and we just sit and we listen to Prince play for like three hours and he's singing and we're all singing along. And I was just sitting on the floor on the carpet, like Like a puppy at his feet. I was just like, this
0: is the most amazing moment of my life. But it was true. He was singing his songs or just like a. He sang a couple of songs. He was
1: just kind of singing everything. Wow. He was singing everything. And some songs would last for 30 minutes and some songs would last for 30 seconds. And he just was kind of all over the place. And then he just would play the piano for, you know, 10 minutes straight. And, uh, it was just so interesting. And then he stopped and then and then it started getting a little heavy and I, and I got out of there.
0: Meaning <laughs> he took his robe off? <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, basically. Basically, and I was like,
1: okay, that's my cue. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think I would feel the same way.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think it was like five, I mean, it was probably five in the morning when I was driving out of there.
0: Yeah, but look. Look at the story you have to tell, especially now. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us yeah. to have that memory. And he was an incredible musician in every sense of the word. And it didn't matter what he was playing, whether he was playing contemporary songs or someone else's song. I, mean, we've, I think we've all, if, if you're a rock fan, you've heard him play while, while My Guitar Gently Weeps. Oh,
1: my God. The live, the recording at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, probably yeah. the greatest uh, live performance of that song in the history of, of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he
0: really—it's
1: just—it's
0: a testament to how well he has mastered these instruments. Oh yeah, and you know, again, as okay. I said, and he is a true virtuoso, and I think that that was overshadowed. But the that memory you have, so thank God you took a chance, <laughs> and I understand getting out when the robe came off. <laughs> <laughs> nothing good
1: happens after midnight. Well, in Prince time, that means nothing good happens
0: after 4 a.m. That's what I was just going to say. It's a little later with him. But that was your time as an actress. And I know that, you know, years and years ago, you've made this transition um, into the vegan world. You've been incredibly successful. But in doing that, it's been interesting because that element has kind of followed you more and more these days we're seeing celebrities um, you know musicians, actors, whoever it may be these prominent people really move to plant-based diets So you've been able to amass a following that's really been an eclectic mix of people which has included some pretty big musicians.
1: Yeah, it's kind of wild it's so fun but it's like it's a different angle and it's a different way in. And so like, yeah, I mean, Moby, who is a huge, uh, vegan and, uh, animal rights guy, he and I are pretty tight. And, um, I remember when I, when I met Tony Kanal for the first time, the bassist of no doubt he, he and his wife are big vegans and, uh, yeah. And since, I mean, it's so cute. He like texts me pictures of his kids making my recipes. It's the cutest, sweetest thing ever. And if you had told high school Leslie that was watching no doubt, <laughs> <laughs> that someday I'd be a vegan chef and Tony the Bassist would be sending me pictures of his kids making my
0: food. And it's crazy how everything comes full circle, isn't it? It is. And the most unexpected people. I mean, who would have
1: thought that Rob Zombie would be such a huge animal lover, well, uh... and a big vegan advocate. Um, it, it really is a fun world that brings people together. I mean, I was at an event um, not that long ago and yeah, I was in the conversation was literally me, Moby, Rob Zombie, Joaquin Phoenix. And me, and I was like, how did I get into this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith was there too. And he actually said it best. And he was just like, what, like how, how just how wild, like the, the vegan uh, world, the umbrella that encompasses all the people that choose to go plant-based, it's just sort of wild <laughs> group of A motley crew of bizarre
0: people. Yeah, but it's amazing to be in the thick of that, especially when, you know, it's people that you loved and admired and well before you were, I don't want to say anybody, but you know what I mean, in that scene. I mean,
1: oh, yeah. I, remember I mean, the first time I talked to Rob Zombie, I was like, um, yeah, I went and saw you guys when I was 16 years old. I didn't drive yet. My actually might have been 15 because my, my boyfriend at the time had a car and he was able to drive us to go see White Zombie. And it was the first time I'd ever been to a like a heavy metal rock concert. And I'd never seen mosh pits like that or people behaving like that. And so many terrifying looking people, uh, you know, it was, it was just a little sheltered girl from San Diego. It was so wild to see all these these people that looked like they could kill you and they were all double, words. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember well, the toadies, the toadies opened for that. Remember the toadies?
0: I remember the toadies. I remember <laughs> the toadies. So I liked the toadies, but not as much as Rob Zombie. And I will tell you, as a young, somewhat prudish high school girl trying to figure things out when I heard more human than human. Oh, such I a mean, bitch. and I don't even need to talk about the opening part. We all know. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was mind blown better than reading a romance novel. <laughs> I, was like, I shouldn't be listening to this right now, but I am, and I'm loving it. <laughs> and that made me a huge fan of Rob Zombie, really oh, yeah. impressionable time coming out with the right music. He had the same effect on me as uh, Trent Reznor, and Nine Inch Nails, the Downward Spiral album kind of touched something in me that was kind of this like blossoming part of me. <laughs> totally.
1: You know what else was really cool with the the White Zombie concert was they had a really badass female um, guitarist. I yeah. Guitarist, right? And it was so cool to see a uh,
0: a woman up there just like slaying it with the boys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no yeah he had an awesome band and it was really a variety of people and I think the 90s was really that time when you start to see like diverse bands coming out like Smashing Pumpkins and things like that oh my god um, I
1: saw a gazillion times live too
0: No, no they're they're incredible they're incredible but they defined that time too they were that somewhat part of that grunge um scene that was and coming out, out and Pearl expanding jam, i used
1: to see Pearl jam all the time because m- most people associate eddie better with um seattle but he was from san diego he was from san diego so he mm-hmm. would play there all the time and his mom would always be front row in the shows and he know if anyone was ever misbehaving he'd be like time out guys my mom is here you gotta stop <laughs> you gotta stop misbehaving
0: <laughs> Oh, they were another good one. But I I think, yeah, Southern California just has so many great... I think if you were lucky enough to grow up here, you were exposed to a bunch of different bands. They were trying to figure out their scene um, as you were trying to figure out life. You're a teenager. Uh, But then to be able to spend time on the strip... I was a little bit of afraid of the strip in high school, even though I grew up in LA, it was kind of like no man's land, do not enter. Uh, But later on in my years, I, as you know, I lived there for years and years right off the strip and just the energy that emanates from that area. And it doesn't matter what's happening in the music scene. You know, I know it's heydays were in the sixties and it's heydays were in the eighties, very different sounds, but being in that space and feeling that energy of what transpired there it's palpable if oh, you yeah. love music especially if you love those genres
1: so the first time you went to the viper room i do what what did you see
0: um you know i don't even remember what band i saw i feel like i went with a friend in high school and it was one of those like kind of open mic where like five different bands played but the, that venue did not have the emotional impact on me, the way it did the first time I walked into the whiskey and the first time I walked into the rainbow
1: to eat. Uh, well, it's newer. So those are those two are older venues. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was
0: everything that I knew that had transpired and also the type of music that came or permeated those venues. The Viper Room, you know, was um, a little later on and it really catered to the 90s scene. And obviously, you know Johnny uh, Johnny Depp had owned it, and um, a lot of things that happened—they're good and bad. Yeah, really? uh, Phoenix
1: died right in front of it.
0: He did. He did. They still have a memorial to him every day on or every year on Hall- Halloween.
1: Yeah,
0: there's still um, flowers. But that's yeah. it. I think it's a cool venue, though. I like it. I like it's a great venue. It it's a great venue, um, and I think when people come in, they're a little. I don't know. I mean, I think you're in awe of being there, but it is no frills. It's down and dirty. Um, and you walk in and you have a reverence for the, the type of music that played there. Um, just as you have a reverence for the temple that is the whiskey. If you were a fan of the birds, if you were a fan of the doors, um, if you were like a super fan of some of the more obscure bands like love, um, mm-hmm. that is where you want to be. Or you loved anybody from the Hollywood vampires. Well, freaking go to Rainbow, you know? You know,
1: honestly, I I loved them all equally. And the (laughs) Troubadour, for that matter. I mean, the Troubadour had so much history in it, too.
0: That did. Oh, I mean, probably maybe more iconic moments than the others. Arguably, arguably, but it rivals them. Yeah, that was... It's kind of lumped in. It's lumped in with the Sunset Strip. It really is, because for any of you that are familiar with L.A., it is literally just two blocks south on the corner right. of Doheny and Santa Monica Boulevard. So it really was this really interesting little triangle of, uh, you know, the strip sure. itself was a good 1.7 miles. And then the Troubadour was just
1: two blocks the south. The to the hotel where they found Janice Joplin. You know what I miss, though, on the Sunset Strip? I miss the House of Blues. I thought that was such a great venue.
0: I was so sad when that closed. I know, I know, and I'm not quite sure why. I think there were a number of reasons that it closed down, but you know they haven't done anything with it. It still sits there. Um, you know, if you remember, it, there was a driveway that kind of went down off the strip, and yeah. the venue was right there, and that driveway still sits there, and that ve- that venue is still there. I'm, I know. For years. They, they haven't got, done anything. There's with it.
1: three abandoned places that I can think of on the Sunset Strip that I don't think should ever be turned into anything else. One is the house of blues one is tower records and then Mm -hmm. the other is right next to it uh right above it, the original spago Spago,
0: yeah which is now a coffee bean no there's there's that into a coffee bean there's a coffee bean on the bottom floor and then above it are you know look like which i I don't know if it was where spago actually was or it was maybe where the offices for the restaurant were but they're dilapidated Mm -hmm. and spago was up up on the hill so, okay. So then that's where Spago was. And it's right above. So the coffee bean is on the the bottom, but now the building just is, it's in decay. I know.
1: Oh, that makes me so sad. I that, know. That was the original place where Wolf did his first pizzas.
0: Oh, I know. I mean, it was, it, that was a landmark. There are so many things that she passed by on the sunset strip that I, I don't think people recognize or even know. Um, what greatness they're passing by, uh, you know, this, this piece of history. And, you know, the thing about uh, census Trip is that every venue that you look at or even the restaurant that you look at was something. Oh, It of was course. something. It was either uh, previously a venue or it was a shop that a lot of the kids would hit in the early beatnik 60s when, you know, that whole area was really changing, taking a turn from that high-end okay. Hollywood
1: elite. Totally. There's that famous tattoo shop still on Sunset Strip, right? Where tons mm-hmm. of uh, 80s rockers would play, play and then go across the street
0: and get tattooed. Yeah, it was right across the street from the Rainbow and the Roxy. So it was just easy proximity. I mean, it's all right there. And the magic of it's still there. It's taken a hit during this time specifically, but it's still there. Um, I like and I, I think in some other venues
1: that are not as cool. like Is that is it One Oak? Is One Oak still there? One Oak is still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, who wants a giant,
0: crazy club? Right it, it, it's it got two big marquees on it. It looks a little displaced. I mean, it's a new venue and, you know, it used to be wow. Um Gasari's was, it had a couple of homes in LA, but, you know, there's a lot of uh, rock and roll history that resides at Gasaris. I mean, I won't get into it. You guys can look it up, but every place was something else and. But talking with us about you reminds me of my time there, which just was just a bit ago, and how much I love it, and how much I love the city. Um, and uh, you know, you can be an everyday person and have these extraordinary experiences on there. On
1: Absolutely, that. never. You literally really never know who you're going to run into. You when you're at Jerry's Famous Deli at you know one o'clock in the morning, you have no idea who's going to walk in and sit down next to you.
0: No, you don't. Could be Mick Jagger. <laughs>
1: It could be. I didn't have a run in with him there. I had a run in with him at Crossroads Kitchen. But I remember uh, being a kid and being at Jerry's and um, what's his name? Uh, the Ron Jeremy walked in. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> exactly. Talk about another Sunset Strip staple, whether they want him or not. It's oh, crazy. man. <laughs> but um, yeah, is
1: Mick a vegan? Uh, not that i know of but he oh. was that night he was with um he, rest in peace Ste- steeping who is a great great music supporter i wish you could have had him on this podcast because he had the best stories you can imagine he produced um the rolling stones tour and i believe mm-hmm. the documentary too and uh, was really mm-hmm. close with them and uh, yes we they were he was there with the Rolling Stones some of the Rolling Stones including Mick Jagger and uh, there was a Sunday incident where somehow Mick Jagger ended up feeding me a spoonful of ice
0: cream somehow somehow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean again another one of those moments where you're like listening to the Rolling Stones as a kid who would have thought who would have thought <laughs> I know well, or course, they're I all swaying my mad when I left Swaying vegan, um, you know, put in a good word for me. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to have him on here. Um, Mick Jagger. Oh <laughs> gosh. I wouldn't shy away from Mick Jagger. I wouldn't tra- shy away from any of them. Give me Ron Wood. Give me Charlie Watts. Give me, of course, you know, uh, Keith Richards, any of them. Jeez. Any of them right. Oh my gosh. Oh, but, um, but Leslie, I appreciate having you on. And before you sign off, I got to ask you, okay. And I know it's like picking your favorite children. Um, three top bands, it's okay if they're not rock and roll. Um, top three bands,
1: uh, Janice and Big Brother and the Holding Company, that's what they mm-hmm. said Uh, Seawood Mac, mm-hmm. and uh. Could I tie for third with the Rolling Stones and the Beatles? Yes. Okay, done.
0: Yes. Because that's been a question I've had before with other people. Stones or Beatles, but it's just so hard. I well, mean. you know,
1: and I grew up, my dad's attitude was everybody was either a Stones fan or a Beatles fan. You There weren't a whole lot of people that were both. And he was a Stones fan. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: But I really, I,
0: I really love the Beatles too. I love both. I love no, both. What did I say? I appreciate it. Those, those are solid choices. Solid choices. And, and one other, first album you ever bought. Oh, are you ready for this song? Yeah, tell me. Whitney
1: Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody.
0: Oh, my gosh. That was my first, <laughs>
1: my first tape. My first tape. My first CD was Arrested Development.
0: That's a good one. And also yeah, very indicative of the time. I, of course Mental. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Nice. Thank you so much, girl, for coming on. I love reminiscing with you and talking all things Sunset Strip and hearing some of your stories. I know you've got an arsenal of them.
1: Oh, well, but, you know, um, my friend, I look forward to the day that you get a van and you start doing tour rock and roll tours of the Sunset Strip.
0: You know what? The thoughts crossed my mind a number of times. So I'll be the who first knows? One on board. stranger things have happened. <laughs> but thanks so much. I appreciate your time. And I'll have to have you on again so you can, you know, tell me the rest of your stories. I know we need more than an hour. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining guys. If you liked this episode, share a pic on Instagram and tag me, send me a message to let me know what you liked or what you want to hear more of, or feel free to leave a review on iTunes. And don't forget to head over to LA woman rocks on Instagram for some great classic rock photography.